Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In hindsight, realize how loaded a space it was. She didn't know how to cook. She had no interest in cooking. So you're seeing somebody who now cooks every day, multiple times a day, and is both trapped by it, but is also trying to make the best of it. And I don't think I, I realized, like, you grow up and you see your mom in the kitchen, you don't, you know, you're just mom's in the kitchen making food. But when you get the full context and you get older, you realize, like, that is a loaded thing. Welcome to Your Mama's Kitchen, the podcast where we explore how the food and culinary traditions of our youth shape who we become as adults. I'm Michelle Norris, and I'm so glad you're back here this week. Our guest today is the stand-up comedian Hari Kondabolu. He's known for his brand of edgy political humor. He makes people laugh, but he also makes them think and maybe even squirm a little bit because he's not afraid to talk about the prickly stuff in life, like race or immigration, or the tensions that exist in even the most loving households. His parents came to America from South India more than four decades ago, and they settled in Queens. He grew up surrounded by immigrant families, households where parents from all over the world were trying to figure out this place called America. In this episode, we hear about how Hari grew up in a household that held on to the traditions of his parents' Telugu culture in the decor, in the music, and especially in the food. We hear about how his family balanced the excitement of being in a brand new place with the loss of the things and the status that they had to leave behind. And we hear about how Hari finally got past his picky taste to fully embrace the spicy and aromatic foods of India, especially his mother Uma's unbelievably delicious peanut chutney, and how he tries to put a spin on that in his kitchen today. All that's coming up. Stay with us. So I want to actually go inside your mother's kitchen. Yeah. Miss Uma, I want to know what kind of kitchen she created. So can you close your eyes? Okay. And just in a few sentences, my mama's kitchen was, describe it for me. What did it look like? What did it smell like? What do you remember? My mama's kitchen was chaos. Just flowers and powders everywhere. And most of them were either in old Maxwell House glass jars that like she reused or like these steel bins that she would get from India, all filled with different flowers and 
and lentils and things. And I just felt like it was always everywhere. Everything was always everywhere. It was, it just always felt really like chaotic and somehow the food would come out and it would be perfect. But I was always like, wow, this feels like a lab. It always felt like a science lab. Yeah. And my dad always, and this is, I think, another thing about, you know, patriarchy and being spoiled. We never wanted leftovers. And the fact my mom put up with that is remarkable. I'm like, what kingdom do you think you're the ruler of exactly? Like, you can't make new dishes every day. We still have enough for tomorrow. So it was just, she was constantly having to, to do more work than she should have. My mom was cooking different curries every night. And my dad was so boring. So she always had to make the exact same things, handful of things that he liked. It was like a conveyor belt of the same things over and over again. And it always what, felt what like... What was the same thing? It was what like was some cooking? kind of like doll, like a lentil dish of some sort. And then there was something usually with chicken and then like a one of a, like a handful of different vegetable dishes that my dad liked. But it wasn't like as broad a range as she would have liked to just not be bored, you know, just to do something different. You know, back then, especially having two American kids in the house who who grew up, you know, around other American children, you know, I wanted to eat with the, the kids that at school were eating and I wanted spaghetti and I wanted macaroni and cheese. And my mom, she was all about that. You know, it's funny that like she was all about, well, you're American, so I guess you eat American food. And I never really developed a taste for that part of my mom's cooking, which is very embarrassing now. But at the time, I'm like, it was embarrassing to eat Indian food. It felt like, well, the other kids at school aren't eating this, you know, and which was kind of absurd. Like they were probably eating their family's cuisine. <laughs> um, the thing I loved, however, with South Indian cuisine was breakfast food. I still love South Indian breakfast food. And that's the thing that, the stuff that my mom would make that I would be most excited about on Saturday and Sunday. We would have dosa, like dosas are like crepes. There's different types of lentils that you would use to make different types of dosas. And you could fill it with like a potato curry, like like with masala dosa, or you could have it with uh, like a ginger pickle. And we would have have idli, or we would have upma. But the thing my mom made, which was the best with the idli, they were great conduits for my mom's peanut chutney, which was the thing I still obsess over. It's one of my f- like top three, if not my favorite meal of all time, is my mom's. Italy, the rice cakes, the steamed rice cakes with her peanut chutney, which nobody else makes. Wait, no one else makes it as good as your mother or just no one else makes? I've never had it from, like, it it is a thing that exists, but like, usually it's just coconut chutney. Like, that's the standard. My mom's peanut chutney derives from a recipe, actually, I think from my father's part of India. They're from the same state of Andhra Pradesh. I guess the state split, so it's now Telangana and Andhra Pradesh. But the dish that she makes is actually something she she learned from his family, but then she added her own spins on it and she made it her own. You know, I, I had uncles who would talk about how like, oh, your mom's peanut chutney is like an incredible thing. And I always loved it, but it was cool to know that other people also like would request that. Just the most delicious 
thing in the world. So I have a hundred questions. First of all, yes. I want to know how she developed the recipe and we'll get to that in a minute, but I want yeah. to know a little bit more about what it is. So tell me about the rice cake Okay. and how it's served then. You, do you have the rice cake with the dosa or is that separate? And then where does the peanut chutney come in? They're, they're like separate dishes, but like often you can get them both together. Like we would have just idli or dosa. Sometimes she'd make both, but I always love the idli days. Um, they're steamed a very specific kind of flour that is used that's actually quite pricey. Uh, but you can mix it, I think, with cream of wheat or something else and you get like more for your buck, even though it's not as pure. It's When it feels more like fluffy, that means it's like been mixed with other things to kind of save cost. It's still delicious, but, you know, you grind up the lentils, you use the flour, you, tur- you turn it into a kind of like a almost like a doughy paste kind of thing. And there are idli steamers where you like will pack in on the little the idli molds and then you'll put it in the steamer and you you let it steam. And then when it's ready, like they're little cakes, rice cakes. And it's like bread. It's very soft. I like the taste, but it's it's subtle. It's really what you mix with it. Initially, this is a v- another very embarrassing thing. When I was a child, I would not want to eat the chutney. Something I just because it looked different. You you were a picky child. Very, and and it's my brother was so adventurous even as a kid with food, and I had to have my dosa with ketchup and sugar. I know it is. It's sacrilegious, and I and I did. Wait, I was with like ketchup and sugar. I come from a we we eat grits <laughs> in my culture. Sure, and there there's like a special name for people who put like sugar and ketchup on grits, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's not nice. The grits parallel is actually pretty good. It's it's I think a similar kind of thing, even though they're like different textures, but the same kind of like yeah. You put you put ketchup. Oh oh, oh terrible oh. terrible. It was not something I ever... And you just admitted it in front of a microphone. Yeah, that's how much <laughs> I trust you and I believe in what you are doing, that I publicly <laughs> admitted something that would get my South Indian card revoked. Yeah, just absolutely terrible. But that was, I mean, that was always a struggle, like the comfort with quote-unquote American food and wanting to eat what other kids are eating and then growing accustomed to those tastes you know, the overly sweet. I almost needed something that was familiar to to be able to eat something that maybe, you know, wasn't as popular in the American mainstream. And it's a shame. It's a real, it's a kind of, it's a sad thing to think about. And I wonder why my brother never had the same thing I had. How come my brother was less picky? How come my brother was more curious? And how come I was such a stick in the mud about it? What's the answer to that? I don't know. I mean, our personalities are like that. Like my brother is much more adventurous and has explored more than I have in life in general, not just with food. (laughs) So the food is the least of it. So I think, but his personality type is that, like he needs to see for himself. He needs to try it himself. And the the weird thing with me and my brother, in some ways, I'm definitely the older brother who, who leads by example and tries to do what's right. But in terms of like my brother has always listened to more interesting music than I have, has read more interesting books. It, it reads much more voraciously. Like I would borrow my brother's clothes. Like who has hand-me-ups? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's not a thing. But my brother was always the one who would take a different path than whatever conservative way I was going. 
So oftentimes he was the one that was making me open up my mind and try something different. Uh, I want to get back to the peanut chutney. Sure. So when she made these delicious rice cakes, yeah, it was often accompanied by this peanut chutney. Always. 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 And eventually you stopped putting sugar and ketchup. Yes, that's correct. When you did that? Yeah. Did, did she just roll with that? or, or? She rolled with everything. Because I'm trying to imagine, you know, my mom would be, don't you put ketchup on my grit? Don't, don't, don't think about it. Don't, don't do that. You're, did your, did your mom just allow you to do this? Was she mumbling under her breath at the stove? Or, or did she just let you explore and know that you would eventually come back to her peanut chutney? I don't know if she knew I would ever come back to her peanut chutney, but she definitely let me explore. And she knew her kids were both very different. But there was this like assimilationist streak in my mom while also trying to preserve culture. It was always very fascinating how she adapted, right? Like we always had Indian breakfast food every weekend, right? But at the same time, she would take us to Burger King because she said, well, that's what Americans eat. They eat burgers. So I want you to be able to, and we're Hindu, so we're not even supposed to be eating beef, but mom was never a big fan of restricting our diet because she's like, she said she knew a lot of people who didn't eat beef that were terrible. And I, she'd rather me eat beef and be a good human being. So uh, that was kind of her philosophy on that. Sometime during his preteen years, Hari says there was a turn in his mother's relationship to the kitchen. After years of churning out that conveyor belt of curries, she started reading cookbooks and food magazines. She entered a phase of culinary experimentation. I remember at one point she started making meatballs, and that was a breakthrough. She actually was like, what else can I do? I remember all of a sudden meatballs started showing up and then fresh basil started showing up and then fresh Parmesan cheese started showing up. And I'm like, what is like it, it became very different than right out of the can. What was going on with her? Because sometimes when that happens, something else is behind that. What do you think was driving that period of experimentation? Was it just about pleasing Hari who wants spaghetti? Or do you think she was going through a period of renewal or exploration on her own. I've thought about that. Like why, I think part of it was, and this is me like making lots of assumptions, but I think at a certain point it's accepting this is what life is. Like I'm not going to be a doctor. I, this is what life is. This is my family. This is my situation. What can I do to make the best of it? What can I do to enjoy the things that I have to do? And so she really started to enjoy cooking, which, you know, is funny to think about. But she got into the idea of how can I make the thing that I'm making more interesting? What can I do that hasn't been done? And there's been some hits and there's been some misses, but she's always tinkering. And I think that's part of like what makes the day-to-day more interesting to her. My brother like would say like, mom's cooking's gotten real good. Really good. And and I'd be embarrassed because I never really ate it, right? So I couldn't even say. But he's like, yeah, the stuff that she's doing right now, really, really interesting stuff. And he, so he was the one that really caught it first. Like, oh, she's really playing around with styles and ingredients. And yeah, she always found ways to adapt uh, so she could make it work here. So like I was still having idli, but it had ketchup on it. Or, you know, there were periods where I didn't have 
you know, my grandparents around in, in the U.S. So my mom had to figure out a way. How do I teach this kid how to respect and take care of and be taken care of by older people? So she would get us people in, in our in our building would babysit us, and, and they would be like older. Jewish women, older Irish women, like people, like there was a group of sisters that used to watch us. They were all in their like 60s and 70s. And I would ask my mom, like, why would you do that? Like, I don't understand. And she's like, it's because you didn't have your grandparents around and I wanted you to learn this. And they were there and they were such sweet people and they were so good to you. So, you know, that way you were still getting what I think you needed in your childhood. And I'm like, it didn't bother you that they were white, that their cultures were different. They're like, no, because the love that you have between like kids and older people, that kind of grandmother, grandfather love, like that is something that has nothing to do with culture. That's like beyond culture. That's like this thing that's just universal and important for you to have. So she was always like that with everything. How do I get this to them in a way they can you know, it might not be the way I got it, but as long as the end product is the same, he's eating idli, he knows how to respect older people, he knows how to, you know, balance the two. I've always admired her for that. I thought that was, that that takes effort to figure out. You know, because my, my parents have always supported our Indian community and stuff, but the thing I've admired the most is that, you know, my dad ran a echocardiogram lab at Flushing Hospital. My mom worked at LIJ in a cath lab. She managed that lab. And they trained and hired so many people of color, a variety of backgrounds. And it was intentional. It was always very deliberate to the point where my mom would tell me like she would get you know, take flack for some of you know the white nurses and people that worked in the hospital, like, oh, Uma's having her affirmative action campaign again. And she, oh, she's hiring another person of color. And my mom was like, hey, all the nurses are white and I don't, you don't see me complaining. You know, I understand that you're hiring your own. Well, this is how I do it. Like there's something about my mom and dad always having that eye, which I admired. They saw the bigger picture and they're not activists. You know, they would never see themselves as that. And they're not overtly political, perhaps, in the way I am. But those are very political choices. Those are very deliberate choices. I take issue. Tell me. I take issue with what you just said. Which part? My parents aren't activists. Oh, yes, they were. They were, they were stealth. They were doing their thing. Yeah. They were. And sometimes activism whispers. Mm. You know, it doesn't always march through the streets with a poster and a fist in the air. Right. It sounds like they very much were activists in their own space, using the space that they occupied That's right. to push the world forward. I don't think they would see themselves as that, but definitely the choices they were making were, those are changing people's lives. Like on a one-on-one -on -one level, like does it change institutions a little bit because they're working within institutions, but it's definitely changing the lives of individuals. It's definitely giving people chances I, again, it's stuff that you look at in hindsight and you're like, they were doing a lot of things. And I think you're right. It was stealth activism. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to the Audible original, Your Mama's Kitchen. Like what you're hearing? The next episode is available now, exclusively from Audible. Visit audible.com slash kitchen and hit the follow button for the latest episodes each week. You can listen to new episodes on Audible two weeks before you can hear them anywhere else. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. I love to be able to cook in a kitchen and have a good meal with the people I care about all around me. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen at a big island. And we were able to all get in and do our thing together and sit down in the adjoining dining room and have a long, loud meal and then clean up afterwards and continue the conversation. I loved being able to do that. And Airbnb allowed that to happen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. Hosting your home on Airbnb is a great way to make some extra money. It's very practical as a side hustle. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You have said, Hari, that you are funny because of your mother. Yes. Explain that. She has a very dark sense of humor. And she very much uses humor to cope. Her parents have some of that. My grandmother was an incredibly sharp and funny to the point of like she was mean without realizing how mean she was. But she was quick. You know, like something comes out and you don't, I don't think she understood like, wow, like it's on point, but unnecessary. You know, like just sharp, but she was quick. And my mom has always been quick. And the more painful and the darker something is, finding some way to laugh was a way to get out of it. And I think that has to do a lot with how much she lost. I, You know, she lost a career that to be a female doctor in Southern India in the 70s with your own practice, that didn't happen. You know, like that just didn't happen. The the other women, the young women in the village looked up to her. Partly also because she was like, she was a tall woman. So she already stood out. Like she was as tall, if not taller than some men. So it was already kind of like she was unique in that regard. And she also was a classical Bharatanatyam dancer, South Indian dancers. 
she was just did everything. But in addition to that, she was this incredible student and skipped a bunch of grades and was young and had her own practice as a woman in Southern India. And it was this remarkable thing. And then to lose that, to have that trajectory, and then all of a sudden you're in a new country and you're not working and you have kids and you know you keep trying to get back into being a doctor, but how do you do it with two kids? I mean, how, how do you deal with that? How did she deal with that? She laughed. She made jokes. She tried to find ways to release pain. And me and my brother are the same way. We find our way out of a lot of pain with being able to say something funny and to make others laugh. It's not that we're ignoring what's there. It's just like clearly to me, like a sense of humor is an evolutionary benefit. Like there's no reason for us to have it if if it didn't help us in some way, right? And so that's something my mom has a tremendous amount of, the ability to cope with a painful situation through laughter and then to to kind of shake it off and try to move on with it. Like, this is what the reality is. How do we adjust? When did you realize that your mom was funny? Do you remember a moment where she said or did something that you just, you realized she is hilarious? I think it was college. You know, it's funny. You, you, I just never noticed it. It's just like that was life. And we always laughed a lot. And it was always like kind of me, my brother, and my mom. And my dad less so. I think part of it was language. Like my mom's, English and our native language, Telugu, like she's just very well-spoken. But all that being said is probably at some point in college, having perspective and being away from my really family for the first time and coming back or bringing friends from college back and you realizing, wow, she's cracking everybody up. Like, wow, this is my mom. There's a reason all my friends like her. And it hit me after the fact. You know, and then also I think being asked in interviews as I, you know, as I was pursuing this comedy career, like, why are you funny? What made you funny? And then to really think about it, who is the person that was able to make fun of us? And it was hard for us to have a quick reply. It was mom. She was so cutting and quick and just very quippy, you know? Is there something that you recall that your mom did or said that just knocks everybody out? I'm sure that let me, th- there's one that she told me about. She was on an airplane and she had an aisle seat. And on the other aisle seat, on the other side of the aisle was, was an older Indian man. And to her right in the middle seat was an older Indian woman. And that I guess they were husband and wife and they weren't sitting together. But she had noticed that he was being like very, very rude to her rude to his wife, like throughout the line and in the airport was like snappy and stuff. And he asked if they could switch seats. So he could be next to his wife? Yeah. And my mom didn't want to give up her seat. I think part of it was he was in the window. He wasn't in an aisle. So she wanted the aisle also because her knees are bad, but also she didn't particularly like how he was treating his wife. So there was also no incentive to even put up with it. And so what she said to him is, (laughs) we come into this world alone, we die alone. You can handle this flight. (laughs) (laughs) 
texted it to me and I just lost it. Like, what is an absurd thing to say over a very simple request? We come into this world alone. We die alone. You can handle this. Uh, that I'm that's an example. If I overheard someone say that on a plane, <laughs> like, oh my god, she's the Matrix. It's it's literally like that is my mom. <laughs> the darkness of it, like even to just insert death, <laughs> even the specter <laughs> of death into the conversation is very much her, me, my brother, and her very dark sense of humor, especially about death and things like that. And it's it's her. It comes from her. <laughs> And when you decided to become a comedian, what was her reaction? Was that was that funny or not? I remember the first time I was on TV, I was on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And it was 2007. And I, I was on TV and I didn't expect to be on TV. I took a day off from work, flew to Los Angeles, was on TV, flew back the next day and went for right from the airport back to work and pretended nothing happened. Like I, It was kind of disbelief this was happening. So for everyone I knew... Like whether it was the other comics in Seattle, none of whom had been on TV before, or all my friends, it was like, this is the greatest thing that ever happened. And you were so great. And I can't believe you were so great. And the euphoria of like, my friend's on TV. And I asked my mom what she thought. And she's like, you're better than that. You, you can do oh, better. Oh, oh. I, it was the only... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I need a Band-Aid. It was... <laughs> And she was right. You know, the thing is, I didn't want to admit I wanted to feel good about being on TV. Like, this is a thing that happened. Same thing after my second appearance on TV and same thing after the third one. The first time she said something was perfect is I had a half hour special uh, for Comedy Central and we taped it uh, in New York and I got a standing ovation for that TV taping in my hometown, and I saw her afterward. And that was the only question I asked her was, how was it? What are your notes? And she's like, no notes. Like, she just said, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. Okay, about that peanut chutney. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's talk about that peanut chutney. <laughs> so what was so delicious about it? Because every time you talk about the peanut chutney, your yeah, yeah. eyes dance. I mean, it's like you can see, even without you telling me how delicious yeah. it is, I can see in your face what it means to you. What is so special about this peanut chutney? I mean, think like roasted peanuts, a little gooey, like sweet and peanutty and a little spicy. Mom sometimes would make it too spicy and I, I would start hiccuping within seconds. So she'd always lower it for me. And like the way it would absorb into the idli, just the, oh my God, it was something about the taste of the two together also that just it was divine. And honestly, I felt like it aged well. Like the next day, if you like waited a day or two, it was almost better. It almost felt like it set mm. in a way that made it even, yeah, incredible. Oh my God, I'm thinking about it now. I texted my mom before our interview to get the recipe, both in case we wanted to talk about what was in it, but also just so I knew it, because I feel like I should know it. Because you know you have to give us that recipe. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the funny thing about Indian cooking oftentimes is it's inexact. It's like, it's almost like a feel. Like whenever she talks about it, she's like, yeah, you put like a handful of this and you put like a little swing and I was like, it's not really, 
You know, and to be fair, it never tasted exactly the same. It always tasted, the core was the same, but it always was like, oh, this is a little more spicy than usual, a little sweeter. Or uh, one time she mixed sugar and salt, which was, <laughs> which was awful. But like generally it was, you know, it, it was, you got the sense of it, but it always had a slightly different taste. Yeah. You know, when someone has perfected a recipe, yeah. there's a little bit of strut when they serve it, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You know, like they, they put it on the table and then they just kind of walk to the side and, and kind see of what look happens. to see. Mm-hmm, I, I know this is good. Let me just see how everybody reacts to this. D- does your mom do that? I think she knows. I, I don't see her strutting, but I think she knows. I mean, you know, if people are requesting it, it's a pretty good sign. And especially when it's like my uncles and my dad's brother-in-laws or, you know, family, it's like, They've had enough types of chutney and things where like there's a discerning palate. So if people are requesting yours, it it's not just, oh, I've never had anything like this before. It's like I've had a lot of things. This is one that is the best, you know, which is great. And she she knows it. She's proud of it. She that. knows it. The most important thing to her is that I love it. And so she makes it at least specifically because I request it. And, you know, we don't live together anymore, obviously. You know, I have my my partner and kid, but she will bring it just because I request it, just because, like, I miss it. And, uh, yeah, every, every time it's this funny thing where it's like I remember, uh, like, being a kid while eating it, while in the moment still enjoying it. It's like that thing that's always been there. Not the chutney initially, sadly. The fact it took me years to finally try that chutney and then realize that I was missing something incredible is very embarrassing. How old were you when you finally tried it? Probably high school. That's probably when I, I tried the mm. peanut chutney. The fact it took that long. But when I had it, it was like, oh my God. And when I went to college, I remember that was the thing I missed the most. It's amazing how that little space in our home, that central space, that kitchen, mm. that is mm. often like the beating heart in our homes, shapes who we become as adults. Mm-hmm. How did that space shape and influence you? Well, one, it was one of the places where I'd have alone time with my mom because my father obviously wasn't going to go anywhere near there. So I actually had time alone with her. So I think having that time alone to talk to her and ask her questions and hear her perspective definitely informs my sense uh, of the world. I think also looking back on it, and it's funny because you don't even think about it when it's happening. Like I, in hindsight, realized how loaded a space it was. Hmm. Like, like I had said earlier, she, she didn't know how to cook. She had no interest in cooking. So you're seeing somebody who now cooks every day, multiple times a day, and is both like, both trapped by it, but is also trying to make the best of it. And I don't think I, I realized, like, you grow up and you see your mom in the kitchen, you don't, you know, you're just mom's in the kitchen making food. But when you get the full context and you get older, you realize, like, that is a loaded thing. She's been in this kitchen a really long time and she never had the intention of being in it. It was never a thought in her mind that she was going to be cooking this much for anybody. How do you take that forward in the kitchen that you're now with your partner creating? I'm trying to be better. My partner still cooks the majority of the meals. So I think, how can I 
help. One, I've finally learned some basic things. I can make breakfast. I can make pancakes. I can make eggs. I can handle breakfast. I can feed my child. I can pack my child's lunch. You're a parent now. So what kind of kitchen are you trying to create that will have the right kind of influence on your own child? One where he sees both his parents feeding him. One where he sees both his parents preparing food for him. Um, I mean, I like when he eats. It feels good when he's eating. So about that peanut chutney. Yes. Is that going to be on, on your kitchen table at some point? Yes. That is something I want to be the one that makes the idli and the peanut chutney. I want that to be my dish. That's the thing I can do every Sunday. I'm going to make that. And, and because who else is going to? Like, I don't want it to go when my mom goes. I want that to be something that is ours. Me and my partner talk a lot about how do we preserve culture, especially like my South Indian Telugu culture, which if you don't see it, if you're not around it all the time, then you know, it dies. And I mean, language is going to be hard enough to preserve. Like, I don't even speak it very fluently, but Telugu. So at least with food, there's something. There's something about that. And I don't want to lose that. So I, I will be learning it and I will be making it. And if I can get anywhere near, just anywhere near how good my mom's is, it doesn't need to be exact. It doesn't need to be perfect. But just the essence of it, I'd be happy. I have loved talking to you, Hari. Thanks so oh, much. Did it, Michelle. Absolutely, Michelle. Thank you. Now, you know we had to get that recipe for the peanut chutney, and Hari's mom kindly agreed to give it up. She also shared her recipe for idli, those little round cakes that Hari loved to have for breakfast on weekend mornings. You can find those recipes as well as a few other tips from Uma Kondabolu on my Instagram page at Michelle underscore underscore Norris. That's two underscores. Feel free to share your own chutney recipes or your own interpretations of idli. And if you happen to make the Kondabolu peanut chutney, we want to hear about it. Send us your pictures, your secret ingredients. We want to see all of it. As for me, I hope I get to meet Uma Kondabolu one day. She sounds like an amazing woman. I love how she used her sense of humor as a coping mechanism. Her humor helped her get through when life didn't turn out how she hoped it would. And that is also a recipe that's worth holding on to. Thanks so much for listening to Your Mama's Kitchen. I'm Michelle Norris. Come back to see what we're serving up next week. And until then, here's a roll call of the folks who make this show possible. They are the Dream Team. This has been a Higher Ground and Audible original produced by Higher Ground Studios. Senior producer Natalie Wren, producer Sonia Tun, and associate producer Angel Carreras. Sound design and engineering from Andrew Epen and Roy Baum. Higher Ground Audio's editorial assistants are Jenna Levin and Camilla Thurdikus. Executive producers for Higher Ground are Nick White, Mukta Mohan, Dan Fearman, and me, Michelle Norris. Executive producers for Audible are Zola Mashariki, Nick D'Angelo, and Ann Hepperman. The show's closing song is 504 by The Soul Rebels. Editorial and web support from Melissa Baer and Say What Media. Our talent booker is Angela Peluso. And special thanks this week to Clean Cuts in Washington, D.C. Head of Audible Studios, Zola Mashariki, Chief Content Officer Rachel Giazza. And that's it. 
Goodbye, everybody. See what we're serving up next week. Copyright 2023 by Higher Ground Audio, LLC. Sound recording copyright 2023 by Higher Ground Audio, LLC. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to try to lift up your game? I know I just got a new tennis racket. It's one of those newfangled things that's supposed to put a little bit of extra sauce on the ball. And it makes me want to spend a little bit of extra time on the court to perfect my backhand or work on my volleys. Here's the thing. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Available dynamic sky panoramic glass roof. Available front row massaging seats. Available 33-inch all-terrain tires. Available multi-terrain select. With all of these options, you can travel in style and comfort in the city or off-road. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 